As you can probably tell from the beautiful display immediately here to my right, today is not only the third Sunday of Advent, both Pink Candle and Pink Vestment Sunday, it is also the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Now, a lot of times during the year we celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe in a huge way through the night with a big procession and then mass at 11 p.m. leads into about midnight and all sorts of celebrations. And it's almost like an early Christmas gift to me that we don't have an extra mass in the middle of the night this time of year. Because as I get older, they're harder to recover from. However, I love the solemnity of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And the thing is, the Sunday for Advent, for lack of a better phrase, trumps uh, the Our Lady of Guadalupe celebration. However, it doesn't mean that we don't still kind of celebrate with both of them together, as you can see once again by this beautiful uh, display right next to me. And I'll tell you, if you don't know a lot about all of the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe nearly 500 years ago now, I highly recommend look into it, read about them, watch documentaries on them. I know the Knights of Columbus have done some good things on Our Lady of Guadalupe. I think the former Supreme Knight Carl A. Anderson co-wrote a book with the postulator of the cause of Juan Diego on Our Lady of Guadalupe. Anyway, I could talk about this for like two or three hours. I won't because I know eventually got to go to lunch and there's other things going on. But just to tell you a little bit about the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, um, just to kind of you know, get into this day. So as I said, it was 1533, and to set the context, at that time, you had the Spanish missionaries coming to the New World, trying to spread the faith, and at that time specifically, in Central America, in Mexico. And they weren't having a lot of success. And the indigenous religion at the time, to say it's rough is an understatement. They used to practice human sacrifice and all sorts of just very terrible things. And in fact, if you want to get an idea, I don't necessarily recommend the movie, it's rather gruesome, but Mel Gibson's Apocalypto kind of goes into what's going on at that time. So you've got these Spanish missionaries that are trying to, to evangelize, to spread the good news, but not much is happening. But thanks be to God and his good providence, someone did convert, and that was a, a humble little man, blue-collar worker, Juan Diego. And one day he's going about his business, and our Blessed Mother appeared to him and told him to go to the bishop and tell him that she wanted a church built in her honor on little Tepeyac Hill. So this little hill at the time, like, so outside of Mexico City, although now Mexico City has grown out all around it. But this little hill, Tepeyac Hill. So he goes to the bishop, tells him, our Blessed Mother appeared to me, wants you to build a church there. And like any good bishop, when someone comes and says, Mary told me to tell you this, he says, that's great, but I'm going to need a little bit more than this. I'm going to need a sign. And of course, Juan Diego, he's a humble, hardworking, blue-collar fellow, and he says to our Blessed Mother, I'm the wrong guy. Don't, you know, go get somebody more important than me. She says, no, I'm your Blessed Mother. You can trust in me. So she tells him to go on top of Tepeyac Hill. And notice that we're in December. This is the feast day now. And I know when we think Mexico, we normally think hot, but that's not always the case. This is a rather mountainous region. It is December. And on top of Tepeyac Hill, it was really cold. There was a lot of frost. But she says, go up there, there will be a sign. So he goes up, and there are these roses that had burst through the frost. And not just any roses, but they were cotillion roses, a specific kind from Spain where the bishop happened to be from. 
So he goes up there, and our Blessed Mother takes the roses and puts them onto his tilma. Now, a tilma, you may have heard this before in reference to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Basically, what that is, is it's like a mixture between an apron and a tool belt. So I'm going to give you a little demonstration here. And you know, I, I didn't do this with the other masses. I have a microphone on me. I'm going to turn it on. So he takes his tilma like this, right? She puts the flowers on it, these roses on it, and he holds it up close like this. I promise I won't do this the rest of the Mass. But like, so he's holding the roses like this, and he goes to the bishop, right? And of course, like any, any time in history, you don't just go right to the bishop. You go to his secretary and the people helping him. And he's like this, and he says, I want to see the bishop. And they say, let us see what's in your tilma. And he says, no. Like, can you imagine, like, let me see the bishop. No. Well, he won't let it down. Finally, they're all with him. And when he lets down his tilma, the roses fall off. And what stays on the tilma is what's right there on this image right here. And it's a pretty, it's, a, it's an, just like a replication. This isn't a painting. It's a, a, an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe that I actually got when I was in Mexico in 2009 uh, for a Spanish immersion. I didn't learn any Spanish, but... I picked up a big appreciation for Our Lady of Guadalupe and for the history of the Catholic Church in Mexico. And to this day, like we could all get in a car and drive there. It would take us a while, probably about two days. But we could go to the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and to this day, you can see the tilma of Juan Diego up there in this big, beautiful basilica just like it was the day that she appeared. Now, like I said, I could go on about this forever. The scientific studies about it are fascinating. Like, there's no scientific reason why that image should be there. And as they study her eyes, you can see the bishop and the people with him just like you would see them in, in your eyes now if you were looking at them. I mean, it's, an, it's an incredible thing. Highly recommend studying it. But why do I go on and on about that today? Well, I think it's such a beautiful, in God's good providence, combination with this Sunday, with Gaudete Sunday. In particular, as you look at this gospel, it's a continuation from last week, although we skipped a couple of verses in the third chapter of the Gospel of Luke. In fact, we skipped the really hard ones. John the Baptist was saying some pretty harsh things after prepare the way of the Lord. He said, who warned you to come out here, you brood of vipers? And then the people say, what should we do? Did you notice it? They say it like three times in the gospel. And whenever that happens, really perk up your ears. What should we do, right? And notice that St. John the Baptist, who is the voice crying out in the wilderness, right? We know about John. He's wearing camel skins. He's living out in the desert. He's eating locusts and honey. He doesn't say to them, drop everything and come live with me. I've got this great recipe for the new locusts that you're going to love. No, what he says, first of all, be generous. You got two cloaks, give one away. You got food, share it. Don't hoard things, but be a generous person. Secondly, don't be a jerk. You know, you look at this. Okay, tax collectors, stop cheating people. Soldiers, don't be a bully. Don't lie. Don't practice extortion. Be satisfied with your wages. What does this mean? After that call of repentance last week, after that call to go to confession, what do we have to do? We gotta be holy in our day-to-day -day lives. He's telling you, okay, tax collectors, be a good virtuous tax collector. Soldier, be a good virtuous tax, be a good virtuous soldier. He didn't say leave and come to the desert. He said, live holiness where you are. And the same is so true for you and me. God wants 
his love, his joy to penetrate everywhere. Where you go, he wants you to take him with you. And think about this, Juan Diego, where does our Blessed Mother choose to leave her image? On his work clothes. I mean, when you think about that, it is his apron slash tool belt. It's there that you can still see our Blessed Mother now. And think about this. That tilma that's made of cactus fiber would normally disintegrate and fall apart probably about 30, 40 years, you know, with like decent amount of use. 500 years later, after weather, after a bombing attempt, you can go see it to this day. And I think that very sign to us shows how important just daily acts of charity and holiness and kindness are. What should we do? we got to practice the love of Christ in the world in which we go. And I think the second thing about this beautiful story of Our Lady of Guadalupe is when you think about where Juan Diego got those flowers, right? It's December. It's cold. There's thick frost. There should not be roses, but there were. Think about our current time, right? We hear all the time that this is the age that everybody's leaving the church. This is the age of the nuns, those who have no religion. It's on the rise. You all shouldn't be here right now, right? I shouldn't be wearing pink. We should be doing other things. But we're here. The beautiful thing is, is no matter how bad the frost gets, the roses could burst through. And so as we look at the world, is it messed up? You bet it is, right? Like, I'm not getting up here on Gaudete Sunday in which we're told a lot of hard commandments. Sounds kind of funny, but bear with me for a second. In the opening prayer, I tried to be really intentional about slowing down, but it said about rejoicing always. St. Paul, second reading, and remember, he's still writing to the Philippians, from prison, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice, the Lord is near. And how about this doozy of a commandment? Have no anxiety at all. Thanks, St. Paul. I'll have no anxiety at all. That'll be great. The thing is, it's not an empty commandment. It's not like, okay, everybody, get happy. Have a good day. Okay, life is screwed up, right? We have messed up families. It's hard out there. It's a difficult thing, but... God has entered into all of this. We know that things are difficult. I got to tell you, there's a priest I really look up to, and I'm sad I only discovered his, his writings kind of later in life because he passed away in September of 2020. Father Paul Mankowski, wonderful Jesuit. I mean, so great learning about his life. But that man could write. And he was the type who pulled no punches, who just told it like it was, right? And he wrote this essay on the abuse scandal called What Went Wrong. And the way he concludes this essay is incredible. He says, as I see it, there is absolutely no reason for optimism. But I have every reason to hope. And I absolutely love that because, yes, is there a lot of frost out there? Are there difficult things around us? Are there challenges? Yes. Is it a challenging age to to live the faith? Absolutely. But so was it for our Lord. It was the same thing for John the Baptist. Literally right after this gospel today, you hear about the fact that he's, to put it lightly, stepping on Herod's toes. And we know what's going to happen. Herod's going to have him beheaded. The faith is not popular. Frankly, It's not popular to rejoice, to have hope. But that's what we're commanded. And to be able to do that takes courage. But the beautiful news is is that we can do it. 
He's not saying get out there and turn the whole United States around by becoming president. No. Saying in your vocation, live out that joy. Carry in the midst of your work clothes the flowers that can burst through the frost to let people know why you have a sense of hope, why you can rejoice. Does it take courage? Absolutely. But the beautiful news is, is that we're not alone. Look at what we have right here on our continent, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Those roses burst through the frost. That image continues to be there. And God, almost like he did to Juan Diego, says to us, carry this with you. What? The Lord is near. He came at Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He comes to us in this Mass. He comes to us in every Mass, giving us himself in the Eucharist. We have a cause for hope. And we know that he will come again. My brothers and sisters in Christ, it is not easy. And I recognize that. There is a lot of frost. But the good news is, God knows how to make those roses burst through the frost. He knows how to give them. The important thing for us is that we take them, that we carry them, and we show the world that there is a cause to rejoice. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.